Hey everybody, welcome to another edition of the Creative Imbalance Podcast. Like always, I am your host Sean Siriani, and we got a special interview for you today. Today, my guest is none other than the man, Stephen Kostansky, and he is on the verge of releasing one of the most fun movies I've watched in years, titled Psycho Gorman. Don't let the title scare you away. Oh my god, this is... So charming. It's a horror comedy. And uh, wow, how do I explain this experience? Um, I ended up watching it this morning before I interviewed him. And the movie revolves around a kid and their relationship with a monster from another universe. And it's quite the ride. And surprisingly, if it gave me, <laughs> and surprisingly, uh, throughout all the madness and humor, at the end, it left me with this really warm feeling in my heart, and I want to watch it again. And it's just a love letter to being a kid in the 90s and all the cool, edgy tropes. Like, uh seemed like there was moments where it felt like uh, there was homages to, like, the Terminator a little bit of the context in there. And there was other moments where it just felt like a rated R Power Rangers movie. <laughs> and uh, just the dialogue of the human characters interacting with this insane creature is just top-notch hilarity. It's also great to have Steve on the show who directed this movie um, beyond being an incredible director. Um, I'm such a new fan of his right now. But... Uh, He's been in the the movie and television industry for many years, doing uh, like prosthetic and practical effects, and basically a jack of all trades. And uh, I'm scrolling through his IMDb right now too, and he's worked on things like Star Trek Discovery, Suicide Squad, It. It's saying he's done. Um, he he made like the creatures for a Resident Evil movie, and uh, yeah, this guy just knows his shit and. Some of the most impressive things of Psycho Gorman was how fun the practical effects were in it and just all these monsters and characters he came up with. And uh, and yeah, but anyways, I'm not going to talk too much more about this intro. You're going to hear all about it in this interview. But before we get into it, um, I want to make a quick apology to everybody on my Patreon um, I've been very inconsistent with uh, posting the exclusive content, even with this episode. Like, we just recorded it, and um, I'm putting it out for everybody right now. But we're rocking interviews all week. The exclusives are coming back. And also, uh, my way of saying I'm sorry, um, if you listen to this interview and you are intrigued to check out Psycho Gorman, uh, which comes out on the 22nd, January 22nd. Let me know, and I will buy you a copy of the VOD on the release date, and we can just share this awesome movie together. Okay, fair deal. You forgive me. <laughs> but, uh, and yeah, like I mentioned, that's only for the people on the Patreon, though. If you haven't been supporting, don't don't randomly hit me up. Like, buy me a movie. Support this movie. Um, I promise you, you'll have a good time. Um, even in March, it's getting a Blu-ray and DVD release, and it's also going to be up on Shutter as well. I, I think they originally planned um, some theatrical releases as well, but uh, the way the world is, I doubt that is happening. But anywho, we're going to get into this conversation with Stephen Kostansky, and here's Psycho Gorman, PG for short, coming at you right now! First, I want to start out, I want to thank you for making my morning. I watched Psycho Gorman as I was eating my breakfast today, and it just made my fucking day. I, I haven't had, like, this much fun, like, watching a film in a long time. It, it's, uh, 
it was just like an awesome piece that seemed like it was just kind of like celebrating everything I loved, like growing up in the nineties and everything. And yep. You, you're definitely hitting the nail on the head with that. That's the whole point of the movie is I feel like there's no, nobody's really making stuff that's celebrating, I guess, the things that I loved growing up, which I thought was a very specific thing, but it does seem to speak to uh, a lot of people that I talk to who've seen it. It's like, a, it's specific, but it's a, it does seem to uh, reach a lot of people in terms of what our childhoods were like. Yeah, uh, yeah. It, media we consumed growing up yeah and as as fucked up and over the top things were too it, it kind of like left me with like this warm feeling in my heart after it which was awesome that was also my intention was i'm i'm pretty tired of bleak uh miserable movies and tv shows i mean there, there's stuff that can be done really well like i loved uh chernobyl when I watched it, like I thought that show was fantastic and it's a good example of how to do bleak and like, you know, just hope that hopeless feeling uh, <laughs> it can be done well. But I feel like so much stuff is chasing that that uh, almost out of spite, I was like, I'm going to make a fun movie. I'm going to yeah. make a movie that like, you know, that just rocks. Like I just wanted it to be like just a rock and roll, goofy, absurd time. Like yeah, in it, the way that stuff used to be at least like I feel like more movies from my childhood and tv shows were like that where it almost had almost like a like a kind of sitcom uh kind of like midline of like normalcy to it that I wanted this to have I didn't want it to end with like people crying and miserable and like ending on like like cut to black credits and silence like I wanted it to be I want you to walk out of the theater well or you know watching at home like I wanted to end with you know you hearing that rap song at the end and being like all right this is like a used to be a thing in movies yeah yeah it got me hyped and actually like I can't remember the last time I just sat through the credits I'm like this rap song's like sounds like a, a timepiece from the past and it was like telling the story of the movie and everything it it's was the, fucking great I'm jealous of how good that song is because I kind of feel like it steals the movie because <laughs> there, there was a period once I got that song I just listened to it on a loop over and over again because I was like this is the best thing this is the best thing in the movie right now it, yeah it's yeah so, it's so absurd and it's a thing that used to be a real thing i, I Love that I have to explain this to people that like sometimes movies would end with a rap song or, or any kind of song that was just like about the movie. Like it got commissioned to be like, you know, like a, a song, a track specifically made for that film. Like I'm even thinking like, I think at the end of Escape from LA, isn't there, there's like a Rob Zombie song that's like one of the lyrics he says Escape from LA, I believe. <laughs> so like, just, I don't know. I miss that kind of, vibe of of what movies and media used to be is very like it's a very theatrical thing to do like it makes you aware that you're watching a movie it's not it has nothing to do with realism it just has everything to do with like how can we get the audience as pumped up as possible and yeah so i just tried to embrace all those tropes with pg yeah uh, it, to the like best this, of my abilities. It, i felt like now more than ever like this was such a healthy escape because i'm on my twitter like obviously like this week like you turn on the news the world is on fire and everything and this movie totally just sucked me out of it and again like it it hits all like those like nostalgic things i love and it's just like i was just smiling and laughing the whole time and i kind of want to know like uh if you remember uh like the moment where like this idea to create this universe like sparked for you like do you remember where you were what you were thinking about and like well it, there there's like a few pieces to this story um i mean obviously this is like the kind of movie that i love making and i'd made a movie years back called manborg it was like a very passion project movie made for zero dollars and but it was a movie that was just like the perfect outlet for my creativity because I just love making stuff. Uh, I love movies in the like sci-fi fantasy horror action genres. Like, like I just like genre stuff. Um, and I feel like there's never, you can never have enough of it. And it's, it's just such a like video store uh, type of movie. Like it's the kind of, I want to make stuff that like 
you would see the poster, like you'd see the box art on the shelf and be like, I got to rent that movie. So that was like a big piece of what informed my earlier uh, filmmaking career. And so after Manboard, you know, I made The Void uh, with Jeremy Gillespie and we set out with the intention of making a serious horror movie. Um, but I, but during that process, it was such a long, like, hell making that movie for a million reasons but also just creatively i felt like i wasn't satisfied like i as much as i am proud of the work that we did on that movie i don't feel like it really pushed all my creative buttons properly so after that i've just kind of felt this like longing to make a thing that i could be passionate about um and i had but i had so many like half realized ideas bouncing around in my head and uh, one of those images was this monster sitting at a drum set. Uh, <laughs> it just made me laugh. And I imagined it almost in like a Calvin and Hobbes style art. Uh, like, uh, was it, is it Jim Watterson who did Calvin and Hobbes? Like his like art style. Um, of the, just this big guy, big monster man sitting at a drum set. It made me laugh, but I didn't know what to do with it. Uh, and so then after I made Leprechaun Returns, I was uh, back home watching movies trying to relax and i was watching a movie called rawhead rex which is a movie that i remember the cover as a kid but i had never actually watched it so i was like i'm gonna sit down and give this movie my full attention uh of all the good movies out there to watch i decided that day that rawhead rex was the one not citizen <laughs> king rawhead rex yeah uh, sometimes you just gotta shut off your brain and have fun like, yeah exactly well it was on my brain so i was like i gotta I need to see what this is about. And as I was watching it, I just started riffing in my head on this idea of like this ancient being being resurrected, uh, but like mashing that in with like a suburban setting. Cause I don't feel like that movie really like takes that idea anywhere particularly interesting. It's just a like kind of run of the mill monster movie. Once he, once he's resurrected, starts killing people it, aside from a few very absurd moments. But I started thinking like, well, what would I do with this kind of character? Like but treating that character seriously and giving him a very serious mythology, but like, what can you pair that with to make for like a fun, engaging story? And so that's when I landed on like, well, like maybe it's more of an ET scenario where it's like a mm-hmm. monster and, and like befriends some kids uh, and what would happen there. And so that was like the initial inception of the idea but what really pushed it over the top for me into being something where i was like i gotta make this was realizing like well like i hate how kids are represented in a lot of movies and tv they're all so innocent and wide-eyed <laughs> and i keep calling it the harry potter syndrome where it's just a lot of like like them entering a room and being like oh wow like like it's they're just like experiencing the movie they're not actively engaged in the movie and so like going off of my like real life experiences of uh, like knowing kids in my life, like relatives, uh, like younger cousins, and even like sit- kids of uh, like my coworkers and things, like interacting with kids in my life, I realized like kids are kind of nuts, and I wanted to put that in a movie. And so once I settled on making Mimi uh, the protagonist, like making her as much of a presence as PG himself like so, like making a character that could stand up to PG in an entertaining way. Uh, that's when the movie really came together. Cause I was like, this is a fun dynamic is having this little girl that's like totally bonkers and like a complete maniac paired with this evil ancient warlord uh, and just showing like the juxtaposition of the two, because they're kind of the same character in a way, like, PG is the evil warlord of the universe and Mimi is the evil warlord of suburbia. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Her house and her neighborhood. So I thought like drawing those parallels lead led to a lot of really fun scenarios. Um, And really like the plot just came out of that core concept and the movie it really felt like it wrote itself because then once I had that through line, I was able to hang all the like goofy ideas I'd been sitting on for years that I didn't know what to do with um, and just kind of hang them off of this plot. Um, 
and so that that's also why the movie is so all over the place in terms of its like creatures and situations like <laughs> yeah, there's like no consistency to anything which is the charm of it is that it's like i wanted it to feel like you're cramming like this much movie into a movie that's this big like like i like that masters of the universe um structure of mm. you know you've got this giant universe you could do anything with it but we're going to spend all of it like in small town suburbia like we're going to spend it in like a house and a forest and a warehouse um so when i committed to that it became fun coming up with ideas of how to make the world feel bigger and how to cut away to stuff to make it feel like this giant movie even though it's a really tiny movie um so yeah it, it was super fun to kind of think up those scenarios and come up with ways uh, to kind of like subvert expectations a little bit, but also I just really want to deliver on the like fun arc that those types of movies should have that I feel like when people get too bogged down with subverting expectations, they forget that like your movie needs to have almost like, like a Rocky movie type arc where it's got to end big and you got to be you you want people like cheering by the end of the yeah you even had the montage moment when they uh, they built the band together and everything of course yeah yeah well and it's like all these tropey things from cinema that i grew up on that like i don't feel like they've really come back in any sort of interesting way like like it's just like a style of structuring a movie that i think people are snobby about and they think they're above yeah, uh, are, are always trying to get away from it. It's like, yeah, but that's what I like, and I want more of that. Like, mm-hmm. like yeah. I want that movie that feels like a Happy Meal, basically. Yeah. Like, yeah, like you know, like I, I can't say it enough. It was so, so, so much fun, and uh, you, uh, you kind of said it was like all over the place. But there's one thing I really want to commend you on is like these little like one-liners you would have like maybe at the beginning like a joke or whatever and then like later in the movie they would connect somehow like whether it's like the wife calling the husband lazy and stuff like I kind of feel like the opposite even though like maybe on paper it seems like it's all over the place but you kind of built this tight web and like puzzle piece uh like I felt like (laughs) when it concluded like every like thing like had like a callback to or something like this is the only thing like I'm not a fan of writing like I wrote the script for this movie and I think the only reason I was able to get through it was because I was having so much fun with the idea but you know I I don't think I'm a particularly great writer but what I do love doing is those like buried guns like I love I love setups and callbacks and like like setup punchline scenarios Mm -hmm. so I what I like to do is like I'll come up with my climax and just like all the crazy shit that happens in this climax, like finding little moments where it's like, where's a thing that I could like plant the seed for earlier in the movie. So like, obviously like the game that they play crazy ball, uh, you know, that comes back in a big way. And I really (laughs) wanted like the first act to have all these mundane things where you're like, like you're almost like, why am I even seeing this happen? And then to then have it all pay off, uh, in a satisfying way was really important to me. Like, I think that's a key component to this type of movie. You don't want the audience to just be like, like ahead of things, you know, like you want them, you want them wondering like, why did that even come up? And then Mm. when it comes back, they're like, Oh, okay. That's why that came back. I think that's part of the fun game of this type of movie is like throwing things at the audience that maybe seem trivial and then having them realize that it's really important by the end. And so I, I love playing with those sorts of setups and payoffs uh, when I'm writing. And I think this movie like fully utilizes that. Like the whole movie hinges on, on a lot of like punchlines that all pay off in the last 15 minutes. Yeah, that's really cool. And actually like on these segments, I've had a bunch of like stand-up comedians like on in the past too. And it's like, it's almost like the way you write this movie uh, kind of coincides with like a lot of people like who... Uh, I've met who are really excellent at like comedy and like like you mentioned the term like bury the gun and then it comes back and like kind of surprises your brain in a certain way and everything. yeah yeah it's fucking and I, awesome. I also think it's not just a comedy thing I think it's just writing writing a story in general like because I feel like I'm doing that in the movie with 
a lot of stuff that's not even like a joke necessarily. Like I think like there's a lot of like setups and payoffs that are purely like action based or just story based. And I think that just like that, it just all weaves together to help contribute to like this crazy roller coaster that the movie becomes. So yeah, I think it's a super crucial component uh, when writing this kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Is raising raising questions and then answering the question uh, later on in a in a, in a way that's interesting and not obvious. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and even like uh, I can imagine writing something like this too, and like getting to the like like you have like so many moments where there's like flashbacks to uh, PG's like home planet and stuff like that. You, as you're writing this out, are, are you ever thinking it's like, oh shit, this is going to be a lot of work or how am I going to pull this off? Or Well, that's, uh, I guess the testament to my ignorance is that I do this every time to myself where I write <laughs> a script and I'm like, I can do this. It's not a big deal. Yeah, like we go see Gygax and we see all these slaves working away and we see, <laughs> uh, like I'll write a thing like montage of PG destroying the universe. <laughs> not, <laughs> I'm thinking like that's the thing I have to go do later. I'm going to I'm definitely going forward I'm going to be more conscious of that because on this movie there were there were some late nights where I was really like do I need to be doing this to myself anymore? It's like really punishing <laughs> to be up like, like shooting miniature effects on my own like in in the effect shop like at two in the morning and being like this is my own fault. I can't complain to anyone because I wrote this so I got to make this happen. Uh, yeah. but yeah it's it's a thing where I, I i write it and i think i maybe like oversell what i have time to do but i, I at the same time i also like i want to be ambitious i'd rather be ambitious and fail than like i don't know write a small movie that underwhelms like like i don't want to make that movie that goes on netflix that people watch and they're like Oh, that was an interesting little movie. And then immediately after they say that, they forget the movie. Like, mm. I would rather make a huge, crazy thing that's a failure than a small thing that's okay, and then people don't remember. You know, I love I love like, the spirit, and I'm I'm actually excited for uh, this to get released. I'm excited to hear what other people think about it too, because like, I I love this, and it's it's like uh, even though it has like all the the tropes of, from 90s movie too it just felt so like new and fresh in a way like like again it's, it's like almost because I, I haven't seen it in a long time well it's yeah it's fresh in that i don't think anybody's trying to make this kind of stuff yeah like i don't know i'm not seeing anything really that's comparable to this i feel like due to like algorithms and things like on what content should be right now like it's so much about just putting things in specific boxes and you know it's like even just pitching on movies uh like people are always like so specific about what they want the types of movies they're making to be and i was fortunate on this where like i had some very generous independent financiers uh who like came forward and were like we want to finance a movie for you come up with something crazy And there was never any real conversations about like, oh, is this like marketable? Like, is this like, you know, like what, let's look at the metrics of what audiences want right now. It's Mm -hmm. like, there was no discussion of that. It was just like, go make this thing. And we trust that you'll make a thing people want to watch because it's been proven in the past. Like you sometimes as a filmmaker, you just have to trust that like, if you like the thing, there's a good chance that other people will like the thing. And so yeah. just committing to that and not always thinking about like, well, what do audiences want to see right now? Like that to me is like the worst logic to approach a creative project with. It's like, no, tell the story you want to tell and like audiences will find it. Like the right people will find the project. Yeah. So I was lucky that I got to make the thing I wanted to make and I didn't have to like jump through any hoops of convincing people that this ne- that this movie needed to exist because i feel like if i had gone through those proper channels we wouldn't be having this conversation right now like the movie wouldn't have gotten made because people would they would have been like well what else is comparable to this right now and there wouldn't mm. have really been anything and it just wouldn't have happened because that's yeah. also the conversation always is like give us an example of this exact thing that's successful so we can trust that you're making a thing that's already worked and if that's 
that's the conversation you have to have. It's like, well, then I'm just making a copy of another thing. So what's the point? Yeah, that's that's amazing that you had the freedom to take the risk and like even having a backing behind it too. And uh, even I noticed it's uh, it's released on uh, on Raven Banner like through them, and they they've been re- putting out some awesome shit where it's just like all these movies that they've been producing just have like almost like it seems like these directors this like don't give a fuck they can make the wildest stuff in their imagination and it's it's very rare and like i kind of commend that and like even i yeah, know well, i get like a press release and it says raven banner i'm like i'm gonna check it out like i get excited like it's gonna be they're kind of the only game in town in terms of like genre distributors that actually care which is awesome and i mean they they took a chance on manborg which i appreciate like i mean it's barely a movie it's like shot on video in my parents garage but they saw something in it and we're like we're gonna put this out and we're gonna like do a solid push for it and it got it found its its audience so yeah i'm happy that they're on board and i i know that this is like a project that they're excited about and they're gonna push hard for so yeah we've got a good team behind it yeah. uh yeah, it's just a matter of figuring out how to get people to see it in uh in an age where we can't really go to a theater to watch anything, which is unfortunate because it's such a crowd pleaser of a movie, in my opinion. That oh yeah, that I would wish- rock a house. Like it's like it's like basically a concert. It's like remind me like I've seen Guar a handful of times. It's basically a Guar concert, like uh, with like oh. a charming sense to it and everything. Guar seems very excited about this movie. They've like reposted the trailer a few times. So oh no way! I, hope, I didn't even. Know I hope they get to see it at some point. It would be really awesome because it definitely feels like a movie that's uh, in in that kind of wheelhouse for sure. And yeah, it's a good point. Like I want it to feel like a concert. Like I want it to be a communal experience where people go to the theater and you can all laugh along with it together and be like, "Oh, wasn't that nuts?" Because it's like it's just a thing that uh, I like doing and I miss and. I hope we can get back to it at some point because yeah, that's all the whole point of making movies is to be able to enjoy it with people and watch, watch audiences enjoy the thing that you've created. So hopefully someday. Yeah, most definitely. And um, I was kind of like looking uh, like on your IMDb and like checking out all your credentials too. And it seems like you're such a drag, uh, a jack of all trades in like just almost everything in film from like makeup to writing to directing and, uh, I just kind of like want to know like a little bit about like um, how you first like got like the spark to want to get into like the film industry. And did you have like, were you set out to be a director or were you doing something else? And like, I mean, as a kid, I was always being creative, making stuff. Uh, my mom's an artist. Uh, so I think I inherited some of that. Uh, so I was always like, drawing and sculpting and painting i didn't really know what to do with it as a kid and i was a passionate movie fan but you know as a kid you don't like you don't think that's like an achievable thing because hollywood is such the a like just a like totally on another level idea so i was just making stuff and you know i i don't know i don't even remember really what my ambitions were uh but i do remember like uh when i watched army of darkness for the first time uh like kind of that was one of the initial seeds of me wanting to become a filmmaker because the movie had so much inventive energy to it that i was like i didn't realize movies could be like this uh and then not long not too long after that my parents bought me army of darkness on vhs which was the anchor bay release that had a bunch of bonus features at the end uh so when i watched those bonus features and i saw like the guys at Kane BFX making monsters and they're all wearing heavy metal shirts and they got long hair and beards. And I'm like, Oh, look at these guys. I'm just like having a good time making monsters. It suddenly became accessible in my mind. Like I suddenly felt more confident that like, Oh, I could be one of those guys. Mm. And so that's how I started uh, pursuing a career in makeup effects. Uh, I was making stuff on my own uh, and I mentored a bit uh, or I apprenticed under uh, Doug Morrow, who's an effects artist in Winnipeg, uh, which is where I used to live. Uh, my family's from there. And so I worked for him on a bunch of shows, honing my skills as an effects artist. And I moved to Toronto and started working on bigger shows. And while I was doing that, I was making my own little movies on the side. And I made Manborg. Uh, I met the Astron Six guys at that point. So we were making movies together. But the like director thing was always like, a, this is what I'm doing on the side. 
almost like that's the hobby part and prosthetics is my career mm. because I was actually able to make money at it. Um, but then once Manborg took off, it just like kind of built from there where uh, like me and Jared teamed up to make The Void. We were making Father's Day with Astron 6. There's just all these opportunities to continue directing that eventually like that sort of became more my thing. And so after Void, when I did Leprechaun, that was my first like paid director gig where I got paid like the proper amount a director gets paid, which was pretty substantial. And so after that, nice. I was like, I, I think this is like a pretty sweet gig to have. So I wanted to keep pursuing that. Uh, so yeah, now it's like uh, my, my work is basically balancing directing projects and also working in prosthetics. Like I did uh, four episodes of Day of the Dead for Sci-Fi Channel uh, last year. That was like a good chunk of last year for me. And so now I'm taking a break from the directing side and now I'm uh, doing effects back at Masters Effects Toronto. So I'm working on uh, Umbrella Academy and the boys and there's a few other things floating through the shop. So I think as long as I can kind of balance those two, like I'm, I'll be happy because each one's creatively satisfying in a different way. Uh, like I love sculpting and painting and fabricating monsters and gore and that kind of stuff. I love getting my hands dirty, but then I also like uh, like the process of directing and uh, you know, like working out shots and working with actors and things like that stuff is equally as fun to me, but in a different way. And so, yeah, I just like doing everything. I just like the process of making movies. Like my ideal fantasy scenario is just continue to make projects where I, also help make all the monsters for it. And then I take them to set and then I direct the scenes with the monsters. Like that's, doesn't get any better than that for me. So I got to do that with PG cause I worked a lot in the shop helping build all the creatures. Um, so hopefully I can uh, line up another project like that where I can have that freedom cause it's like really satisfying to be able to do both at the yeah. same time. Yeah, that's so awesome. And that's, I think that's what's going to make you just so special in your career as a director, like knowing how to do all these different hands-on things. It's like, as I'm listening to you talk, it's like, seems like just that years of doing that is what created PG and it couldn't have happened unless you took the route of doing the prosthetics and the horror and like all that. And it just kind of all came together as like this magical thing in a way definitely like it's definitely the comfort of having experience in both that led to the project because i feel like if i didn't do prosthetics at all like i could never in a million years like write a script like that and be like this is all achievable but because i was like i had the experience when i was writing i was like i know how i want to build these things i know how i want them to look i know what it's going to take to make them i know the time it's going to take so i can approach that stuff confidently yeah i, I would not like to make projects where I don't have at least like an understanding of what is going into it because I think that's an important part of being a filmmaker like maybe not on a huge budget where you can just trust that everybody's going to do everything exactly the way they need to do it because they're getting paid insane amounts of money but mm -hmm. on low budget stuff like you have to know everything because you have to get in there and help people out and get your hands dirty uh, if you want it to be good like you gotta you gotta like really put in the work to make it happen and so it helps to know how everything works yeah and uh some of my favorite parts of the movie too was seeing all these different creatures and like you can tell they're like physical puppets and everything and even i love how it kept like uh going back to like kind of that round table meeting of the other planet and seeing all the different creatures it kind of reminded me of like like bad guys you'd see in like power rangers but like rated r yeah. versions of that oh totally it's definitely a little bit of like power rangers but also uh, i keep mentioning uh to other people interviewing me about this that like there's a bit of the star wars prequels as mm. well in it like i have a weird nostalgia for the kind of confusion i felt as a kid watching phantom menace for the first time and like reading that title crawl that's talking about like trade disputes and being yeah. like, huh? Like yeah. being, being like, I don't understand any of this. So I wanted to have a scene of aliens talking a bunch of like, you know, like kind of political garbage, space garbage. Uh, <laughs> it was like, funny uh, too. 
like talking about like the it, it's clear that the Gygaxian unity accords have failed us like that line is deliberately supposed to be like a prequel line where you're like what is that like, <laughs> yeah I, like I, I love that vibe of like just too much plot being like too much plot and too much mythology in a scene where it doesn't matter yeah uh, so yeah that's kind of my intention with the uh, council members is teasing this bigger <clears throat> universe which is not all excitement it's also like boring cold discussions yeah uh, but it, I, also i i feel like um even i got the vibe as like you're listening to them all talk you're you're totally like parodying that like so it wasn't boring to watch when they're just like like spewing off like jargon about the universe and stuff like that especially well, the characters were also... so ridiculous looking and everything too well that yeah that, that was the whole point of it was that they're spouting boring nonsense but it's like you're cutting to a guy whose head is in a glass too <laughs> you're like why like you're just the whole time you're asking questions of like well what's his deal and what's that guy's problem yeah yeah i to go to like the good star wars movies i wanted it to feel like the bounty hunter lineup in empire strikes back where you see this lineup of characters and you're like whoa like what are those guys deals like somebody please can we just pause the movie to explain what they're what's up with these guys like who is dengar and why why is his head wrapped up like that kind of thing. So I, with the council scene and also with the paladins obsidian who show up pg's like former crew that he ends up fighting uh i wanted each character to be wholly unique and feel like like just like action figures translated into movie form where they're just totally like separate designs mashed together uh, and, and like some unfortunate designer had to figure out how to translate them into being a physical costume uh, because that's a, that's also a trope that I love that I don't think people acknowledge enough is like like stuff like Masters of the Universe or any like video game movie. It's like translating a thing that exists only as like an action figure or as a you know in a comic or a video game. Trying to make that into a real tangible thing is a challenge, and I feel <laughs> it's it's funny to watch people fail at that. Um, so I wanted these characters all to kind of feel like, like like weird in that kind of way, where it's like there's nothing practical about the thing I'm looking at. Like, well, like <laughs> yeah. what is with this garbage can man full of body parts? Like maybe that works in a video game, but not in real life. So I, I wanted to definitely give it that vibe of like having to awkwardly translate things into a movie form and it maybe not working 100% of the time. Oh, it was amazing. It, yeah, they did remind me of like He-Man figures and stuff like that. It was that was really oh, really totally. cool. Yeah. Well, I even with uh like Cassius three thousand, uh the character that has like the bird on his shoulder. Yeah, he was I my favorite. But <laughs> which is funny because he his design I deliberately wanted like his wardrobe and stuff to be kind of lame. Like I wanted him to be the least cool one, even though he's still awesome and I love him. But like. I wanted him to be the one that when you went to go buy the toys, like he was the one that was still on the shelf. Because <laughs> the kids all bought like Witchmaster or something or Dark Scream. And they're yeah. like, I don't want Cassius 3000. He's yeah. like kind of the one. I, I loved him to... because of of like the, the little exchange him and PG had. I forget the exact line, but they, was, they were just kind of like... Had, it seemed like they had like this long, deep-rooted history, but it was it's only mentioned for like five seconds. I was like, that's fucking fire. <laughs> oh, I, that was the whole point of that was to be like, why does PG not trust him of all these guys? He's, yeah, he's, he's, like, he's like, I don't trust any... Or like, uh, like, like, he's like the only one he doesn't trust or whatever. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, he puts his trust in the rest of them, but not Cassius. Like, <laughs> put his trust in the weird witch lady. She's fine, I guess. Oh, uh, yeah, the, like, wow. Lady made out of tombstones. Yeah, did, did you film that uh, fight scene at High Park as well? <laughs> no, that was in St. Catharines. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, the, most of the movie shot St. Catharines and Welland uh, is where the warehouse is. And so... Yeah, it was a, a forest that was just adjacent to our producer and financier, uh, Jesse. His house uh, was just across the street from that forest. And so we, yeah, trucked all our gear down there, 
shot for two days, sprayed blood everywhere, and then up and left. And uh, apparently we're banned from going there again. <laughs> uh, I guess the like local park police or whatever, like finding witch heads and like like. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm sure we left a little bit of a footprint there, uh, and some poor jogger had to run through all that blood that uh, Death Trapper sprayed everywhere. But whatever. <laughs> that's making oh, that's- movies especially low budget movies you just sometimes you just got to burn a location to get what you need that's fucking don't have to go back and do reshoots yeah was there any time like as you were shooting this like maybe some random person came by or like was walking by and just looked at like all these creatures and was like what the fuck is happening that happened a lot uh the scene where uh it's like Luke, Mimi, PG, and Biocop are like walking uh, on the path and they're having their little conversation about love. Uh, like, we did not walk down that pathway. So there was people like jogging and biking by. <laughs> and everybody, to be honest, was like very chill about it. They were just like, oh, hey, how's it going? They, you, you see cameras and like crew standing around. You know what's up. Like, there's mm-hmm. no, I don't think there's a lot of like, <laughs> nobody's going to have a heart attack scene pg walking around dressed like dr grant from jurassic park so yeah i think thankfully the locals uh were very accommodating we didn't really get in any any shit while we were shooting which was nice yeah that's that's really cool i'm actually from the niagara region too and when you were going through like the the suburban areas when he was like in the back of the truck too it's like i'm like i've seen these neighborhoods before so that's like really cool too yeah, well, it's one of those untapped areas for filming. I mean, like, I guess something like Hamilton is the hot spot right now. So we decided, like, well, we'll just go a little further out, uh, like a little further west. And uh, Jesse, the producer, like he and Stuart, our, our other producer, were all located in uh, St. Catherine. So it made it easy. Like his house became our base camp for shooting. Uh, yeah. And we used his backyard that's where we that played as the uh, Hellenbeck's backyard and also the graveyard. Uh, so we dug up his backyard and pretty much trashed it for the movie. Um, <laughs> so yeah, we we definitely made use of the uh, like St. Catherine's geography, uh, wh- like all the stuff in the montage of them walking downtown. Downtown uh, is downtown St. Catherine's. So yeah. Yeah, it was a great place to shoot. I would go back, but who knows if they'll allow us to go back at this point. Yeah, you'll just have to know. wreck another small town, Ontario. <laughs> Maybe go to yeah. like Barrie or something. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, we'll just have to find a different spot. But uh, I don't know if you've ever been to Lester D's in St. Catharines, the I, diner. But uh, I haven't, actually. I, I highly recommend it. Uh, my friend Jay runs it. He's another effects artist in Toronto. Mm. Uh, he owns it. And so great food and it was a great shooting location uh as well so shout out to uh lester d's in st Catharines. if you want good good burgers and great milkshakes that's yeah, sh- shout out to them that's got to be cool having a friend like at a restaurant too just so you can take care of like uh your crew and everything yeah well he uh he offered it up like i've known him for at least a decade now and very early on he offered it up as a shooting location so i deliberately wrote it into the script i was like well he made the offer so i'm putting it on paper now we're taking advantage of this uh yeah it was it was great they're very accommodating uh letting us shut it down to film in and it's just a fun looking location too uh like perfectly suits the movie so yeah we lucked out we had a lot of very generous people contribute time and resources on this uh just just for the hell of it which is always great when you're making a low budget movie, you can't afford to pay a lot of people. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. Um, also, uh, I wanted to ask, like, I know you guys, you're right now, like focused on promoting this movie. It's not even out in Canada yet. January 22nd on a uh, VOD, but, um, do you have like any ideas in your head tinkering around for your next project or you're only like focused on uh, PG right now? Uh, I mean, it's a lot of this, yeah, PG stuff. I've been doing some stop motion. Like when the lockdown happened, I, I busted out all my stop motion gear and started doing some little animations. Uh, and so I'm starting to get a taste for that again. So I'll probably make something in the next few months once, once this stuff ramps down a little bit. Uh, I've got a few of my figures behind me I've been working on uh, for stop motions. So 
yeah, I'm, I'm going to work on that. Uh, I mean, there's, of course, there's talk of like, well, is there going to be more PG adventures? So I would like to do that as well. So yeah, maybe um, have Guar uh, appear in one of the planets or something. That, I mean, that would be awesome if they went to planet Guar at some point. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, there's no reason why I couldn't write them into a subsequent adventure. So yeah, it's just trying to figure out what that's going to be. Um, but also trying to give myself a little bit of a mental break because the Day of the Dead took a lot out of me last year. Like that was, it was a very... Uh, grueling shoot went great the crew's great it was super fun but i find uh after a shoot i need like a few months to just recuperate and yeah. you know with everything that's going on in the world right now i'm, I'm trying not to push myself too hard so mm. let my brain relax a little bit noodle on my stop motion stuff do a little bit of writing here and there uh and we'll kind of see we'll see what develops as well and i mean my career has been so uh had so many like weird left turns already i wouldn't be surprised if something came up in 2021 that uh i started doing like a totally random thing i mean i was not expecting to direct a leprechaun movie in africa but that happened so wow yeah i mean anything's possible so we'll see we'll see where things go yeah that's that's so cool and it's cool that uh to hear your mindset too like you're going at your own pace and everything um i think that's really important to kind of breathe especially like these times too and like i talk to a lot of creatives on the show and like lots of them kind of talk to me about like stress and pressures and stuff like that too so yeah i think you kind of got like the right uh, mental attitude going forward and like yeah that's something i need to remind myself as well too so like yeah cool to hear well it's like do like sometimes you just gotta do what makes you feel good and so yeah making little stop motion figures to me like is satisfying and low impact and so i'm just gonna noodle on that and we'll see where things go yeah it's cool to see your little setup in the background actually uh, most people who uh listen to these episodes are on spotify and itunes but uh i just a reminder i i have started putting these on youtube and uh it seems like those those episodes only get like 10 views or whatever but uh if you guys want to check out his little setup in the background uh go subscribe (laughs) to our brand new youtube channel as well but uh yeah that's that's really cool to see uh see all your stuff there and and yeah it's 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 so cool to like meet you two like uh so fresh after watching this film and not only just any film just like a film like i i think i adore this thing like i want to watch it again like it's fucking awesome awesome. that's that's the best compliment you can give me right now is that it's a movie you actually want to give another shot to because like i was saying before we're in such an age of disposable content i wanted to make a thing that maybe has some lasting impact and so to hear you say that means a lot yeah cheers man and uh yeah just uh, again like i want to almost i want to i want to thank you for kind of getting my mind off of uh the craziness (laughs) and like i mentioned you like i've been purposely like this weekend like not trying to be on my twitter too much or anything because it's just uh, a a crazy time i don't even want to get into in this interview yeah uh, like this movie like kind of like medicine for my brain you know like i I just feel good today after watching that that's great yeah we're in we're in dark times right now so it's a good time to enjoy uh a little bit of levity and and just have something that's fun and upbeat and so i hope that hope pg does that for some people i hope it it brings some positivity and uh maybe get some people's creative juices going too because it's hard being creative during a pandemic i feel like circumstance threw me into being a creative a lot more than i was expecting to be mm-hmm. but just in terms of like wanting to do my own stuff it's tough when you know the world is the way that it is right now so hopefully somebody watches pg and is like i'm gonna go write my own movie and you know can maybe spark spark that uh creativity in somebody would be nice yeah definitely it it is inspiring to see like something just so wild and free and fun and funny and everything but uh i kind of got a fire from it and uh it just makes me want (laughs) to want to make shit too which is awesome and uh, yeah. yeah, like I mentioned too, for people, if you want to check this out, it's on VOD January 22nd. I think I might've got an old press release. It said there was like some theater stuff as well, but uh, that's not going on. I don't know what, 
I don't know what the theater situation is right now, unfortunately. Yeah. I should really be more up to date on what this actual release is because everybody's asking me and I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's like uh, like VOD on demand, uh, things like iTunes and stuff. So there will be a physical release uh, in March and then May it's going to shutter as well. So, oh, nice. So there'll be, there'll be a few ways to check out PG. Awesome. Awesome. And if uh, people wanted to follow you and see like your upcoming projects, where can they uh, check you out? Uh, my Instagram that is mostly for work stuff now is uh, Kill Kostansky. Uh, that's where you can check out. It's my public account. That's mostly uh, just pictures from my movies and things and stuff I'm working on. Uh, I also have my, my more personal accounts, Archduke Nightmare but that one is turning into mostly just dog photos. So if you want to stick to uh, my creature effects stuff, go to at kill Kostansky on Instagram. Awesome. Well, I'm a new fan. I'm following both those uh, pages actually right after this. Oh, interview. And uh, yeah, it's like, uh, like I said, I, I'm going to, I'm going to watch this movie again and I'm excited to just see uh, where your career goes in the future. And uh, maybe your, your next flick, we can have another conversation again. That would be great. I would love to. All right, man. But uh, Steve, thanks again. Like, I can't say it enough. I enjoyed that movie so, so, so fucking much. And uh, thanks for your time today. And uh, hope to catch Thank you down you the road, time. man. Yeah, for sure. It was great talking to you. It was a very nice chat. A nice thing to do on a Sunday afternoon. I will kill you. I will kill you.